0: So, just going to pray for Andre. Father, I thank you for this man. Thank you for all the preparation and the love and the care that he's put into this. Holy Spirit, now would you come and speak through him? It is you we're after, your words. Would you come and speak to your people in Jesus' name? Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, good morning, or perhaps just morning for some of you. it is just a game after all, it's just rugby or cricket, it's just a game, it's just a game. Yeah. Okay, we've got that over with, yeah, it was tough, it was tough. I was really trying hard not to do that, but here we are, yeah. Listen, it's always daunting to stand here in front of you. Um, and I thought before I start off and take us further on, on the greater story, I um, I feel I just want to share a bit of the journey with you guys in terms of what brings me to this place in, in standing in front of you. Um, and also want to make sure that you understand that for us as, as elders and everyone that stands up here to teach, we don't take this duty lightly. Um, the Bible talks about the responsibility of, of bringing uh, teaching to people. Um, so, when we, when we prayed together and we started to think about the greatest story, and when the, um, the, prayer ros- uh, the, the preach roster came out, and I saw that I was given this part to talk about, I was saying, well, thank you, God, that's your humor. Because that's the one part in the Bible, the one story in the Bible, that I've had a few questions about. Okay, so how do we go about this? I mean, I can't speak for everyone else. But for me, it really starts with, with praying about that piece of scripture and read it over and over again in as many translations as I can find and that I can understand. And then I start to look at commentaries um, and you start to look at what other people say about it. Um, And I start to listen to other preachers and YouTube talks about it, etc., etc., which is actually quite an interesting journey in that because there's a warning in scripture for us around that as well. And as I was preparing for today, I actually stumbled across quite a few things which made me uncomfortable in my spirit. There's a lot of false teaching out there. So when we stand here in front of you, we're very aware of the responsibility to listen to God and to bring you that what God has put on our hearts. Um, At the same time, I think it's important that I ask you, each one, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Yes, there's words that I have, and there's probably 10 sermons that can be preached upon this part. There's something that once I go through all of that process, I sit down and I pray to God, and I say, okay, God, I'm going to start to write, and I want your words to flow. And that's what I write down. And then sometimes we get in front here, and we say different things. Because that's how the Spirit works. But my prayer for you today is that God will meet you where you are. Um, I don't know whether some of you have experienced that before, but sometimes I go through, um, say, a challenge in life, and I pray about it, and and Scripture comes to me, and, and I get an answer from God. And perhaps months later, I want to share the testimony with people, and then I open Scripture because I'm a numbers person. So, fifteen and sixteen, and these things resonate with me. Um, but I, I then remember the the scripture verse, and then I read it again, and I think, how on earth did that give me an answer on that day? Um, and that is how alive the Word is when we read it with the Holy Spirit. God's scripture is alive, and I really pray that, um, yeah, so, so let me pray for us as we, as we open God's word today. Father, you know each one of us. Above all, you love each one of us. Your heart for us is to know your heart, but you know every detail of each one of our lives. You know what this week has brought to us, you know what this week ahead of us has in store. Father we want to be just in front of you today and hear your voice. Father I pray that for everyone in this room that you will meet them where they are, that you will use words translate them into a different language, do with them what you can do, Father, to let them land in the hearts of the people that have come to hear your voice. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right. So let's let's get into it then. So today um, as as you know, we get carrying on with the, the greater story, um, and and looking at the golden line that we've seen through the preaching over the last few weeks in terms of the golden line of the story that that we find in the Bible, Um, and as we go through this journey, I think it's really important for us to remember that there are all kinds of um, literature in the Bible. There's history, there's wisdom, there's poetry, uh, there's song, all kinds. Above all, we need to see that the Bible tells us a story of God in relationship with his creation, God in relationship with his people the creator God, the almighty king of heaven and earth. And that is the golden thread that goes through the Bible and what we pick up as we go through uh, the greater story as well. So if we, if we just recap on the story um, through the part of Scripture that we arrive at today, then um, it is important to learn from these stories because sometimes we think about the Old Testament as old, <laughs> And we live in the new covenant in the New Testament. Uh, But there's there's a lot for us to pick up from that journey of God in relationship uh, with his people. Um, So God created, created all things that we saw right at the start of the series. He created it all good. Uh, We see the event where Adam and Eve makes a wrong choice and decides to take this journey on their own terms. then all things go pear-shaped for um, creation after that. Um, now they're outside of the Garden of Eden, and uh, the, the people are uh, increasing in number. We see the first murder recorded in the Bible I mean, Cain is so involved with himself and who he is and how important he should be that he actually killed his brother. Um, Sin comes to enter into the hearts of people and they increasingly are disobedient to God. And then we get this devastating position where God looks at all of that is going on and he's really sad. And that is, uh, um, we, we went through that a couple of weeks ago when then in Genesis 6, verse 6 to 7, we read this very, very sad verse. The Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said... I will wipe you from the face of the earth, the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I've made them. The world has come to this. God decides needs to wipe the people off the earth. However, and Adam spoke about that as he shared a word, there's always salvation in God's story. So Noah and his family, as we know, is rescued, and God gives them the same instruction. And I emphasize this because it becomes relevant as we go through the scripture later. He gives them the same instruction when they come out of the ark as he's given Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when in Genesis 9, verse 1, we read, Then God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Same instruction that we get. Um, as the instruction that Adam and Eve got right at the start. So it's an instruction to co-create with God. It's an instruction to um, enjoy the abundance, uh, as Ian reminds remind us, the abundance that God has created around us, to be obedient to him and, and walk uh, with God in that journey. But it doesn't take long again for people to just to go astray and, um, and make the wrong decisions. Um, and that then brings us to where we are today, when we when we talk about the the Tower of Babel, um, and as I said, when uh, I got this piece of scripture to look at, I thought, ah, a few tricky bits in there which I really don't understand, um, and hopefully I will be able to unpack that because I believe the Lord has shown me or given me some answers. But let's let's read the scripture then, and um, so we're going to read from Genesis 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 1 to 9, so I'll encourage you to open your electronic media or follow it on on the screen. Uh, So let's just read through that scripture today. Now the whole world had one language and one common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone, and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. Um, some commentary say that's quite ironic. I mean, they were building something that's going to reach heaven, but God needed to come down to come and see it. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over the, all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth." Right, so what do we have in front of you? The first thing I'm going to sidetrack here for a moment, just because there's some um, probably perceived uh, inconsistencies that I wanted to to just cover quickly first. Um, In the chapter, before, in chapter 10, we read through the family tree of the sons of, of Noah. And as it goes through, as it, they come, they, they, it tells us in, in three places, actually, in verse 5 and verse 20 and verse 31. It says, and they were in different regions, and they were speaking different languages. Okay, So that tells us that three times. So how then do we come to verse 1 in, in chapter 11, and it says, all the world spoke one language? Um, that that seems to be uh, a contradiction, um, and it even goes further. I mean, that chapter ten tells us about the different regions they lived in, but as we can see here, um, it says that as they journeyed east, I mean, all of the people speaking one language and they journeyed east. So contradiction. What's going on here? Um, I think it's important for us to remember that even Genesis one and two, uh, we see there that we have the same story about the creation told to us in different ways. And so we know that, as we said before, the Bible is telling us a story about God's relationship with his people. The Bible is not a scientific handbook. The Bible is not necessarily giving us an historical chronological um, sequence of events. And I think like, like we have today, like it sometimes happens where uh, in situations that we, we live in, that we sometimes say something before we elaborate on it. I mean, we would say... Telling people, Peter, got engaged, and, and then you tell about it. So you give the punchline. I mean, movies often do it the different way. You know, they will, um, they will just give you some indications of what's coming, and then they fill in the story. Okay. So we see that narrative all over us, and I mean, it's quite familiar with us uh, even today, that we will say something like, the Springboks beat England, and then you tell about the really silly game uh, and all of that. Be very careful. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the point. Um, I believe, and, and many, many respectable Bible scholars say that as well, is that Genesis 11one to 9, tells us how the nations, with the different languages, in different regions, that we read about in Genesis 10, came about. Okay? So see the tree and how did that happen how did that happen that they ended up in different regions with different languages listen they came from one family eh? how did they end up with all kinds of of different languages so then we read how that happened in genesis 11. so that's quite there's actually another clue in there in genesis 10 verse 32 which is the last verse of chapter 10 just before we get to genesis 11 it it says the following um, it talks there about the fact that, let me check it, they are, they, these are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations. And by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Now with the key being here, were divided. Um, now I looked at about 18 different translations. One of those were Hebrew, not that I can read Hebrew, but there's very helpful tools that translate these things for us nowadays. Um, but in all of those, Only five actually use the word spread as if they did it themselves, as if they went. All of the other translations use words like were divided, were separated, have been parted. Okay, so so that settles it for me. Okay, we have the description here as to how they end up in the different regions with different languages. And now we come to Genesis 11 that actually tells us how did this happen. Um, So, back to the story then. Um, if we if we read what we see in verse four, what did these people say? They said, "Come, let us build for ourselves a city. Let's also build a tower. We want to make a name for ourselves. We will not be spread all over the world." Now, all of that is sinning against God's instruction. Remember that I that I pointed out that God's instruction was to fill the earth and to go out. And they're saying, no, 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 we're going to build a city. We're going to just be here. It's going to be just us. We will make a name for ourselves. We're going to be important. So what we see happening here is that people are moving away from recognizing God, seeing the glory of God, recognizing their their creator. They're creating their own little space. They want to be important. They want to be seen by, by people out there. I mean, some critics have, have kind of asked, is this narrative just a, a little story? Is it true? Did it actually happen? And, and as it happens, there is quite a lot of archaeological logical evidence that these things happened in that region in the world. Um, the nations were building these towers. Uh, They were called ziggurats, if that's not cigarettes, ziggurats or something like that. I mean, that's the the right word. So these are step-like temples or step-like towers that uh, people in those times built to create a space for their gods to be honored, where they thought that they could meet with their gods, where they could look after their gods. So it is clearly that what they're doing here is saying, we don't recognize God, we're going to create this, uh, for ourselves, we're creating a kingdom, a place of worship um, that excludes God from, from our picture. In clear, direct defiance to God's uh, instruction. So then we see that God looks at this and he says, as, as we read there, that what they are doing, if, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So what is God saying here? Is God saying, we need to be careful of these people. They're becoming strong. They're going to be stronger than I am, stronger than we are. That's not at all what this is telling us. God is talking about the attitude of their hearts. And I think if we translate that into modern language, um, not that this is not a modern translation, but if we just think about what we see around us in the world, A lot of that resonates with me in terms of what's happening there. If they are successful in this major project, they will think even more of themselves. They will start to consider that they don't need God. Do you see some of that around you nowadays? That they would be able to live without God. I can look after myself. I don't need God in my life. And this is what God sees is happening here. You see a people that is defying what God's instruction was for them. It's the people that are disobeying him. These are a people that decide we don't need God. We're going to be on our journey, on this journey, on our own. So that is then when God decides, I need to step in again, like he did numerous times before, like he did with the flood. He's stepping in again and saying, I need to help them. I need to help them. I need to protect them against themselves. Um, I need to protect them against the self-glorification attitude they have. And God comes and he disperses them. He mixes up their language, um, sends them into different places. And in a strange way, just by doing that, God's instruction is fulfilled for them to go out and fill the earth. So ironically, we often find that, that when things happen, when we make the wrong choices, sometimes God uses that for the original purpose that he had. Um, that's why I said there are 10 sermons in this, we can then go on to that, but let's, let's say that it's, it's kind of what happens here as well. Um, it was never intended for them to be in this one place, to be powerful, to rule their own world. So the question for us then today is what does it mean? What does that mean for us? What are our cigarettes that we have on? What is your tower? looking like? What does our disobedience look like? Where does that lie? As we started the service, um, Adam, Adam shared a word and spoke about the repentance and the forgiveness and the love of God, which is central to this whole message. And you will see as we, as we come back to that. But there's a real warning for us here in it as well. And the and New Testament talks about it as well. Once we have salvation in Christ, that doesn't mean we can now continue to sin. Okay. Obedience to God is a clear instruction. It's clear that there are hardship that comes from disobedience of the people. I mean, this is very evident from the great story and how we, how we go through that. God intended them to live in perfect world in the Garden of Eden. And they chose differently. They continue to sin and be selfish. They live for their own glory. They do not recognize their creator, God. They keep sinning. God keeps rescuing. Continuously, the people disappoint again and again. What does that tell us of God? Exactly what I just said. God is love. God weeps. We read that in Scripture, but then He weeps about the wrong decisions we make. But then He steps in and He tries to correct that. He brings us back onto the path. He reminds us that He loves us. You know, sometimes it's like it's like we have with our own children. You know, um, we love them, them, but sometimes they make the wrong choices, and then we have some hard decisions to make to put restrictions on them, um, to to help them to think about what they've done and how they, how they should come back to the right choices. And it's sometimes hard to do. I mean, I, I would love my children to enjoy all the freedom I want to give them and to have all the benefits I can give them. But sometimes they need discipline. Sometimes that disobedience or the wrong decision means I need to restrict that freedom for them to reflect on what has just happened, for them to see that they've taken the wrong, uh, wrong direction. Now, this is a difficult question, and I don't have all the answers. <laughs> and I was writing down this. I, I, I thought and prayed about this a lot. Um, it's potentially a dangerous statement that I'm about to make because I don't know everyone's circumstances. But I know that our obedience means that we move closer to God. It means we hear his voice better. It means that we don't as easily fall into temptation. It means that we don't make decisions that will be difficult to overturn if we listen to God's voice and is obedient to God's voice. There is a real benefit (laughs) to being obedient to God. Don't obey the directions he's giving us and there will be consequences. And this is the bit that I feel is, is we need to hear it. Yes, there's salvation in Jesus Christ. We know we've got internal life when we've given our life to Christ. But we serve an almighty God that is asking us for our obedience. I really want to challenge us Whenever you've given into sin, it never has a lasting sat, uh, satisfaction. I know that we can all say that. It always, there's always guilt in it. The brokenness of the world we live in today is evidence of the destructive ways of sin. It is just how it is. I mean, sin may give temporary satisfaction or enjoyment, but it, isn't, it is just true. We all know that, that when we do something that is not right, when we do something that we know brings sorrow to our Father God, the regret afterward—afterwards—is far worse than the short enjoyment of being disobedient. There is truth in moving closer to God. There is truth in being obedient to Him. Then God doesn't need to step in and correct, as we always or sometimes have to do with always, sometimes have to do with our children. Um, the question is, what does this mean for our daily lives? I really want to encourage us in this world that we're living in, where the Bible is being compromised over and over and over again, for us to stay true to the message of Scripture. Um, I can promise you today that staying true to the Word, stay close to the direction God is giving you, listen to His voice, and be obedient to His call, then you will find the blessing of God on your lives. The world is a broken place. There's always going to be pain in the, in the time we live in today. There's going to be sorrow. Sometimes good people experience bad things. We often talk about that, and those are difficult questions that are often being asked. And sometimes these bad things are due to bad choices, not necessarily by them, but by other people around them. We're living in this broken reality at the moment, and therefore there is pain and sorrow that we often can't explain. I do read the following, though, in the Bible, and I want to hold on to this. And this is a, a clear word for me today, for us to understand the importance of obedience to God. As part of the law in Deuteronomy 5, verse 7 to 10, we read the following. You are to have no other gods besides me, because I, the Lord your God, punish the children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generation, Of those who hate me, but I show gracious love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commands. It is true, there is blessing in obedience. There is blessing in obedience. When we are disobedient, God doesn't have a choice but to step in and to help us, to correct us, to bring us back onto the path. God is calling us to live in obedience to him. God is calling us to live in obedience to him. We reach a a pivotal point in the greater story um, today as as we get to this part. I mean, Genesis can be split into two parts, really. We have Genesis um, from Genesis 1 to, to 11 where we see the creation. we As we said, we see the effect of the fall of man. Um, There's one event of sin and then another and another. And as I said before, we see people sin, God rescue, people sin, God rescue. Um, and then we reach this point at the end of chapter 11 where clearly people are just continuing in this and it's really a sad state. Um, but then God almost changes gear and say, okay, I'm gonna put the rest of my salvation plan in place. And he calls Abraham, and he starts a journey with the Israelites. And the rest of Genesis, we read the early history and the story about Abraham and and how God is then on journey uh, with his people. But the important thing about that part is that all people will be blessed. We know that. That's the promise that God gives us as he calls Abraham. God's rescue plan continues. God's intention for man to live in relationship with him is again being rectified rescued by god um and as as we continue the story we will we'll will explore that further now all of this points to the ultimate salvation through jesus christ paul walks us through god's salvation plan in a spectacular way in the book of romans and i would really encourage you to read that from start to finish it is meaty uh tough work but i'll encourage you to do that and i'm not going to read all of that here today um But there are a few verses that I want to anchor uh, as we go through that, which are just telling us about God's great love and and uh, and the reality of what sin does. I mean, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Very well-known verse. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, God's rescue plan, I urge you, Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper version. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. As I said early on, when when I was preparing for the day, I stumbled across so, not so much, a few places of things that really made my hair stand up in terms of false teaching, just things on the edge of it. As if the the way we find the world in today with um, uh, with all the, all the culture stuff that we see around us if that 's not enough, they are also within the midst of the larger church world, some dangerous things going on um, so so the instruction here from from Paul is do not conform to the pattern of this world um, and and I want to really encourage you today. God is faithful when you approach these things in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment. He will do that for you. Um, I encourage you to to evaluate everything that you hear and read. Um, Go into those prayerfully. Listen to those prayerfully. Ask God to protect you from what's going on around us in the world so that we don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Last week, was last week, Jeeves, or the week before, Jeeves uh, repeatedly spoke about the, uh, what we allow in, the stuff we look at um, on television and everything that we see on social media and all of that. How much of our time do we devote to that? Should we not devote more of our time to just prayerfully study scripture and get into the truth of what scripture really is about so that we can, in obedience, follow where where God leads us on a daily basis in every decision we make, everywhere we go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then just in closing, it it, uh, struck me that uh, towards the end of Jesus' time, as he was um, giving the great commission to his disciples, we see another repeat of the instruction from Genesis 1 and Genesis 9. Just the golden line going through. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go out there. Make disciples. Let people see my glory. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey. I mean, sometimes we miss that second part. We are sent out to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then the promise, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the, of the age. So I'm going to close it there. Um, so when we look at the story of the, the Tower of Babel, it seems a strange story just for sitting there. But it tells us a story about God's love over his people. This is not a God that's fearful of people building a tower. This is a God that is reaching out to us and helping us to get back on on the right track when we are disobedient. And the encouragement for us today is to seek out that obedience with everything we do. As we go through this week, let's go into every day with that prayer. Father, help me today to hear your voice in every decision I make in the business, in every person I speak to. Let your love be visible. That people at the end of every day, once they've encountered me, sit still and say, what happened to me today? Today I saw the glory of God in the way someone spoke to me, and the way someone cared for me, and the way someone served me. Let us go out and show God's love to the world out there, so that they can come to God and obey. Obey. And he will be with us. That's his promise for us. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to give you glory again. Father, it is overwhelming to see throughout Scripture that you keep on, keep on, keep on reaching out to us and grabbing us and putting us back to you. Father, we repent this morning. We repent that sometimes we allow this world around us to get into our minds, get into our hearts, and distract us from being obedient to your call on our lives. Father, I pray for everyone here today, Father, that we will hear your voice clearly. I pray that every word will land in the place where you need it to be. I pray, Father, that as we go into the world this week... That we will remember your promise that you will always, always be with us. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen.